0: This morning, we're going to be looking at missions, our seventh core value as a church. Because our commander-in-chief in Luke chapter 24 gave us some marching orders that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. I want us to read verses 46 through 48. Because, in acknowledging all that Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross, He's now told us to go to the ends of the earth with this message. Verse 46. This is post resurrection. And uh, Jesus is explaining to the disciples, now that He's died, that He's risen. What scripture is all about, he's referring to the Old Testament. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. This was all foretold in the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament isn't about the law and the history of Israel. No, the Old Testament Testament is about the Messiah, the Lamb of God, that is to come to take away the sins of of the world. This is what the scripture says, verse 47, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus had the Old Testament in mind when he was explaining himself And uh, last week we looked at our Jerusalem, that we are to take the good news of the gospel and we are to go into Ridgecrest and reach the lost of Ridgecrest. But Jesus also had in mind the ends of the earth. He said, proclaim in his name to all nations. And when he's talking about nations here, he's not just talking about the 196 countries that presently exist. No, he's talking about the people groups, the different languages that are within those those nations, uh, the different cultures. Uh, he had in mind the, the Canaanites and the Moabites and the Amorites and the Perizzites. Well, maybe not the Perizzites, but... All people we are to go to. This was God's intent from the very beginning. And I just want to point out some passages, of scriptures to you this morning in, um, in Psalms. They're in your handout this morning. But this is what the Psalm says. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. This wasn't to be just a, an, a, a Hebrew thing, an Israel thing. This was, Israel was to take this good news to the ends of the earth, and they just kept it to themselves. Psalm 67, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make, us, make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Psalm 72, may all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him, may his name endure forever, his fame continues as long as the sun, may people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Psalm 82, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Psalm eighty-six: All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. And then Psalm one seventeen: Praise the Lord, all nations; extol him, all peoples. This is God. This was God's intent from the very beginning, and He's given us this gospel. He's given us this story um, as a church today. And what is our Message that Jesus alone saves. There is no other name under heaven or earth whereby man man can be or must be saved. It's Jesus alone. And going back to Luke chapter 24, Jesus says that we are to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. My question to you this morning, maybe you've come to this service for the very first time or, or, um, or you, you've never come to a place in your life where you could invite or have invited the God of the universe into your heart and you begin to live for him. How do you receive him? By humbly acknowledging that you've been wrong, that you've been living your own life. And confessing your sin, repenting of your sin, Jesus says, turning from that sin and asking him to forgive you. And him become the Lord, the leader of your life. And when you humbly by faith acknowledge your sin before him and say, God, I surrender. You died for me. You took the wrath of God upon yourself so that I didn't have to. And I believe that. And I give my life to you. The Bible says you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you made that decision? I came to that decision when I was eight years old. You know, I thought just by going to church, that made me a Christian. And then one day a friend came up to me and said that he had become a Christian. I thought to myself, what do you mean you became a Christian? We've been going to the same Sunday school class and vacation Bible school, and you're a Christian now? And I began to question. I cried myself to sleep for several nights saying, God, show me how I can become a Christian my uncle, at the end of a worship service, I think it was that very next Sunday, because I think my parents heard me crying myself to sleep at night, and my, my uncle was a Baptist preacher, and uh, they knew that Uncle Jimmy could lead me to the Lord, and he asked asked me if I wanted to become a Christian, and uh, my heart melted, and I said yes, and he led me into a back room, and I got down on my knees, and I invited Jesus into my heart, and I Ask him to forgive me of my sin. And when I got up off my knees, I knew Christ was in my heart. And I never questioned that decision that I've made. He's always been there. And, you know, as I went through junior high and high school and stuff, I saw my my friends getting involved in things that, as a Christian, I wasn't to participate in. And God protected me from a bunch of stuff I could have said yes to. And that's not to brag about me. That's to brag about the grace of God in me that kept me from that stuff. And you can experience God's grace too if you'll just humbly admit that you've been wrong and by faith turn your life to Christ. That's the message. It's free. Salvation is free. We just embrace it by faith. And we are to take this gospel message to Ridgecrest and to the ends of the earth. And so when it comes to the value of missions, Emmanuel Baptist Church has embraced that value wholeheartedly for years. Um, We're going to be adopting a budget next month, next week. And 18% of what we give goes to missions around the world. It doesn't stay here. Now, that can't be said for every church. And there, there are churches who do better than us. And there are churches who do a lot less than us. But this is what God has called us to do, and we take it seriously. Now, in looking at next year's budget, we need to do better in our Jerusalem. You know, and some people ask, well, why don't we take more of those CP dollars and invest them in our Jerusalem? I mean, God wants us to reach people here, and you're absolutely right. And we need to look at how we can invest more here in Ridgecrest. But God has told us to go to the ends of the earth. And in order to go to the ends of the earth, guess what? That takes a lot of money. I mean, to plant a church in in Mojave, it takes a lot of money. You're not going to find Hispanics in Mojave, lost people, saying, you know what, we need to have a church in our our area. And so let's collect money amongst ourselves and have a church. Lost people aren't thinking in those terms. And in fact, the Hispanics in Mojave, they they can't afford to pay a pastor right now. And so it, takes, it requires the churches to see a vision of planting a church elsewhere. Garen and Susan Harris serving in Togo right now. It takes, cap, it t- takes a lot of money to get them over there full time. The people of Togo can't afford a missionary. God tells his church to send people to the ends of the earth and God expects his church to resource missionaries to go and do what they do. And so it requires the obedience of God's people. I know that some of you may be feeling a bit nervous this morning because I'm talking about money, but this is, I'm not talking about people who are not part of our church. I'm talking about the members of our church. God expects us to be sacrificial. And God expects us to not keep it to ourselves, but to send it elsewhere. I love what Garen Harris would always say. He said, why should, should people hear about Jesus twice before others have heard about Jesus once? We have a lot of resources here in the United States that we are keeping to ourselves. And I hear people talk about often, you know, they say, well, we need to focus on ourselves first. We need to allow the light to shine brightest here so that it can shine further there. And you know what? That comes right out of the pit of hell. God doesn't want us to focus on ourselves. He wants us to focus on other people. Love others just as much as you love yourself. We have we have a problem. We have a problem in our church. We have a problem in our homes. We have a problem in our convention, you know, in our homes to begin with. We think, well, you know what? I need to save up for retirement. I mean, that nest egg needs to be set aside. And then when I have that nest egg, when, then I, when I retire, then I can serve God. Then I can be generous with my our money. You know what? God knows nothing. The Bible knows nothing about retirement. He knows nothing about 401Ks. God wants us to be sacrificial, right where we're at, right now. God says the first 10%, right off the top of whatever I provide for you, the first 10%, he says, bring into my storehouse that my people might be fed, that my ministries might be resourced. We have an issue at the home. We have a distribution problem in the home. Because we are thinking of ourselves more than we are thinking about God's kingdom work. We have a problem in our church. We have way too many churches who are thinking about themselves, their own Jerusalem, and making ends meet in and, and the survival mode, and they're not giving anything to the ends of the earth. We have a problem in our church. We have a problem in our convention. We're a Southern Baptist church, and as Southern Baptist churches, we we uh, support what we call the Cooperative Program, and the Cooperative Program helps missionaries do what they do to the ends of the earth. Uh, we have 5,000 plus missionaries, uh, Southern Baptist missionaries around the world. We have a little over 3,000 missionaries here in North America and Canada, and then that cooperative program also subsidizes our six Southern Baptist missionaries. A lot of money is given towards the cooperative program. But I want to I show with you a distribution problem that we're having in our convention. Um, our North America and Canada is broken up into five different regions. And uh, as Southern Baptists, you know, our roots our beginning took place during the civil war we don't have a very um, very good beginning church that not something that we're very proud of because southern baptists came together over the slavery issue all the baptists in the south believed you know it was okay to have slaves and so those baptist churches came together came to cooperate together That was our beginning. We've since apologized. Okay, that was wrong. But our roots, our resources are mainly in the South. And there's a lot of wealth among Southern Baptists in the South. Um, There are 15 state conventions in the South region from Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, all the way down to Florida, 15 state conventions. And of those 15 state conventions they've given, they've collected $423 million in 2010, okay? And, uh, and those conventions have kept 61% of those resources. So that comes out to $258 million that has stayed in the South. The rest goes on to uh, the executive committee that distributes it to the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, the seminaries, uh, to help resource those ministries. But those states keep 61%. This is the biggest population in the South, 104 million people. But if you divide that $258 million among that population, it's $2.47 a person. Doesn't sound like a lot. But compared to the other regions, that's huge. That's a lot of money. There's 38,000 plus churches in the south. There's one church for every 2,697 people. There's one Southern Baptist church for every 2,697 people. 67% of the population is lost. Let's go to the Northeast region. There are five conventions in the Northeast. That's including all of Canada, okay? New York, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, all those places up there. Five conventions. They collected $6.9 million in 2010 compared to the South. What was it? $423 million okay they collected 6.9 they kept 59% they kept less than the south region there's a population base of 66 million people based on what they kept that's 6 cents per person compared to $2.47 there's 1700 congregations. There's one Southern Baptist church for every 37,000 plus people. 51 million people are lost. That's 82% of the population. Let's go to where we live. We live in the West. There's 11 state conventions in the West. Of those 11 conventions, we collected 23 million dollars. And we kept 72% of that, which equals $16.5 million for a population of 71,800,000 people. That's 23 cents per person. There's one congregation for every 4,400 people, Southern Baptist congregation. Number of lost people, 62 million, 87%. Now, granted, there's a lot of money. You know, the South holds on to 61% and sends the rest on ahead. They send a lot of money on to the other regions the, and and uh, where lostness needs to be penetrated. But they still hold on to a whole lot of money. I'm grateful for our... North American Mission Board President Kevin Ezale, who's taking a lot of heat these days because our convention is challenging our states to keep 50 and send on 50. And for the South region, they're being challenged to hold on to 35% and send on 65% if we would redistribute what God has entrusted to us and send it to the areas of lostness, the kingdom would be impacted. Church, we need to focus on what God has called us to do. Yes, we we send 18 percent away, but. We probably need to send more and we need to invest more in our Ridgecrest. But in order to do so, guess what? The distribution problem needs to be corrected at home. We have to stop thinking of ourselves and think, well, we'll wait. And when there's more, then I'll give. No, God says to give now. Trust me now in this and see if I won't provide. And we're going to be looking at that in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. How will this giving, how will this distribution problem be corrected in our homes in our churches, here's the answer. It's going to be transformed through the gospel. Through the gospel. In chapters 8 and 9 of Second Corinthians, Paul is challenging, encouraging uh, the churches of Corinth to be generous. And he sandwiches this verse between the challenge in chapter 8, verse 5 or I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Why am I to be generous when it comes to kingdom work? Why are you to be generous Because of what Jesus has done. Paul says Jesus left heaven's throne. He left the riches of glory and he became impoverished. He became one of us. Why? So that we who were poor might be rich in the eyes of God. That we, through Christ, might receive that relationship, the full inheritance of sonship with Christ. That's what Jesus did. In church, we've got to keep going back to the cross. And we need to remind ourselves every single day what Jesus did for us. Our need for Jesus And it will transform the way we live our lives for him. Paul refers to these churches in Macedonia in the beginning of chapter 8. These churches were impoverished. They had nothing. But out of their poverty and beyond their poverty, Paul said that these people gave. Paul was taking up an offering for the saints in Jerusalem there was a huge famine, famine huge need in Jerusalem and Paul was calling upon the various churches in the regions that he had planted churches there was a whole lot of resources up in in macedonia but these churches begged Paul that they could give to this offering and they gave beyond themselves and Paul says In uh, chapter 8, verse 5, the reason why they gave was because they first gave themselves to the Lord. We need to give ourselves to the Lord. If he has our hearts. Giving to kingdom work is not going to be a big deal. In fact, it's something that we want to do, and we will give generously and we will give cheerfully. But if God doesn't have our heart, the messages like this sound like clanging cymbals that you don't want to hear. But for the people who are generous, they love these kinds of messages because they've seen god's generosity in their life in return but it all starts with the gospel jesus gave his all that we who were poor might become rich let me just share a few verses here in, in chapter 9 of second corinthians 2 Corinthians 9, beginning with verse 6, Paul says, The point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. How are you giving to the Lord? You know, Jesus says in Luke. um, Let's see, I don't have that verse, do I? Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, it's not receive and then give. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. And don't be, uh, don't ration out your giving because whatever, um, uh, uh, whatever you use to give to the Lord's work, that's what's going to come back to you in return. So when it comes to, Giving to God's kingdom do you use a little tablespoon or or a teaspoon and just ration out funds to to God's work. You tip God on Sunday morning with a buck or five bucks or 20 bucks and you think you're doing God a favor. Well, whatever amount you're giving to him. Scripture says it's going to come back to you in return. You want God to bless your life. Be obedient to his commands. And God says, bring the tithe, the whole tithe into his storehouse. Susan and I, we bring the tithe into his storehouse, into Emmanuel Baptist Church. We give beyond that. We give to various missionaries that, that, that we support, but that's, that's beyond the tithe. God wants us to give generously, and whatever amount you use to give to him, guess what? That same kind of amount is going to come back to you in return. Let's go on, verses 10 through 12. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God wants to increase your harvest. Now, don't think that, wow, okay, if I give my 10% to the Lord, my my treasures, We're not. when it comes to tithing, it's not just your treasures, but it's your time and your talents too. But if I give 10% of my treasures back to the Lord, I'm going to get that much and more in return. When God says, when, when Paul says here in verse 10 that he will increase the harvest of your righteousness, He's going to increase the harvest of your spiritual growth. God wants you to grow spiritually. And one of the greatest areas that you will grow spiritually is when you trust God with your financial resources. You know, in chapter 8, in verse 8 and verse 24, Paul says, prove prove to me prove to others that you are a follower of Christ by giving generously how are you doing in that area of discipleship god wants you to be obedient He will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of the contribution for them and for all others. Your confession of the gospel is going to show up in your checkbook. And God wants you to test him in this area, Christian. If you're holding back, if you're being stingy, Paul says prove, prove your Christian testimony by being generous to him in return. Verse fourteen, while they while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. As Emmanuel Baptist Church is generous I and mean, they're generous at home in their distribution. As a church, we're generous in our distribution of our revenue here to go elsewhere. There's a group of people in Mojave today who are able to celebrate who Jesus is in their life and among themselves because there is a church in Ridgecrest who has chosen to be generous in seeing a church planted in Mojave. There are going to be Togolese in Togo, Africa, who are going to be celebrating the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're going to be thanking their God in heaven. Second Corinthians nine. They're going to be thanking the God in heaven, for the generosity of the saints elsewhere in Ridgecrest, California, that has made it possible to send Garin and Susan Harris to their part of the earth. You know what? And the Bible says that they long to see you. And praise God, we are going to be sending teams, God willing, two times a year. To Togo, Africa, not only to encourage and help Garrett and Susan with the ministry, but to spread the gospel ourselves. And the Bible says, and they they long to see you and to say thank you for the sacrifice that you're making. This is God's program. Emmanuel Baptist Church is not subsidized by the federal government. God expects his children to bring all the tithe in the storehouse so that this good news that our commander in chief laid out for us in Luke chapter 24 this good news might go to the ends of the earth. One last passage, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. There's God has sent judgment on the land of Israel. And God wants Israel to repent. And God says this in chapter 3, verse 10 Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Begin to obey me, God says that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And if, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that you will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts, and underline this, then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So all the nations of the earth will call him blessed. There is enough money to complete the the task that Jesus has given us. But the issue is a distribution problem. Being sacrificial in our home, continuing to be sacrificial and more sacrificial in our church and being sacrificial as conventions. And giving what God has given given to us now rather than hoarding it for when we think we can give more down the road. No, today. And so my question to you is how are you doing in being obedient to God in this very important area of discipleship? God wants to grow you. He wants to increase the harvest of your righteousness. May you allow him to do so. Let's pray. Father, this is not an easy message to preach. Father, it's all about the gospel of Jesus how he gave up everything that we in our poverty might find our full inheritance in Jesus father help us as a church to know how to be more sacrificial father help individual households in our church To think more about the kingdom than our own personal needs. God, may may we make adjustments in order to be obedient. What's God saying to you? Where does God want you to adjust? You being completely obedient to him. Church families, go home. Look at your budget. See what's frivolous. See what needs to be cut out so that you can give more to kingdom work. God, may we be faithful to bring the entire tithe into your storehouse. That God that where your name isn't being worshipped, your name will begin to be worshipped. because we are being obedient at home and as a church. Give us wisdom. Help us keep the cross always before our face. In whose name we pray, Jesus. Amen.